Today on Foodstuffs. We talked to one of the country's top chefs about his latest restaurant endeavor. The chef and part owner of a slew of successful Toronto restaurants talks about his most ambitious project to date. Which just happens to be a diner off the beaten path in one of Toronto's lower income neighborhoods. But at the same time, we wanted to reinterpret it as if and imagine what Tommy, George and Sam, how they approached it in 1968 when they were 30 years old. Mm -hmm. This is Grant Van Gameren and you're listening to Foodstuffs. Beautiful. I appreciate it. Welcome to Foodstuffs, a podcast about food and culture and their intersections. I'm Jessica Walker and I'm Brian Goman. Hey, me. Hey, Jess. So who are we talking to today? <laughs> today, we are talking to someone by the name of Grant Van Gameren. If you know restaurants in this country or restaurants in Toronto in particular, uh, this name should be familiar to you um, for I'm going to round up here. Close to a decade, Grant has been responsible for some of Toronto's most exciting menus. It first started in 2008 with the Black Hoof, a restaurant that popularized nose-to-tail cooking in Toronto. Um, This is blood sausage, foie gras, bone marrow, sweetbreads, all that good stuff. Um, Awful, or awful, essentially. Um, Things that aren't too uncommon in menus across Canada these days, but uh, the Black Hoof is largely responsible for making these cuts of meat popular outside of Quebec. I think Quebec was always ahead of the curve. Um, But yes, after leaving the Hoof, Grant then opened his first solo place, uh, Bar Isabel. This has gotten accolades ever since. Um, Top restaurant in the country for a couple of years. So since then, he's also added Bar Ravel. There's a place called El Rey in Kensington. Um, and most recently, there's a cocktail bar called Pretty Ugly. But none of these are why we are talking to Grant today. No, uh, the place we're talking about, uh, we actually featured in <laughs> one way or another on an earlier episode of <laughs> I don't know how anyone could have missed this feature. But uh, yeah, when we did our sake food pairing test. Uh, we ate some fried chicken from a place mm. called Harry's Charbroiled, which I'm, if I remember correctly, went quite nicely with sake. It did actually, yes. <laughs> um, so right around the corner from me, uh, ever since I moved into my spot in Parkdale, there is this little tiny spot nestled off of King Street called Harry's Charbroiled. So Harry's is a neighborhood institution that's been around since, as we were saying, 1968. I probably made it to Harry's about 10 times in the four years since I moved here. Um, But good friends of mine had frequented Harry's regularly. So about five or six months ago, we first heard that A, Harry's was closing, and B, that it was going to be Grant Van Gameren that was going to take over the space. Um, Suffice it to say, I heard sort of a mixed reaction about that news. It was from that point forward that I became incredibly curious about checking it out um, when the space reopened. That would have first happened about six weeks to two months ago. And that's why I thought we should talk to him today. Yes. I'm very interested in this. <laughs> I want to know if the fried chicken is just as good as it was when we tried it, but you can tell me about that later. <laughs> okay, yeah, so let's go to your conversation with Grant Van Gameren, owner of Harry's Charbroiled, amongst other places. Anything else you want to say before we go to the tape? Uh, well, we did record this chat yesterday morning at Boire Isabel, um, one of his other locations, right, yeah. and 
while it was not open for business, there were some um, chefs doing some work. I think it's pretty manageable, but uh, don't be alarmed if you hear phones ringing and a little bit of banging in the it's, background. It's charming, Jess. It's charming. <laughs> it's just a slice. Me as a chef, as well as a restaurateur, I'm constantly looking for new new concepts, new ideas, but most importantly, new risks. Mm-hmm. And um, so Harry's was, uh, you know, I have me and Tommy, who is one of the main brothers, who's Tommy, George, and uh, Sam, who passed away about seven years ago. Um, me and Tommy have known each other for a few years. Um, since we first started talking about it, Tommy was uh, looking to sell the business. Um, and, uh, you know, it, uh, it didn't work out. He wanted too much money. <laughs> you know, everyone thinks something's worth something, especially if you've held on to it for 50 years. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean it is, right? Um, but so anyways, he wanted too much. And so, and Tommy's a stubborn guy. Um, bless his soul. He's, mm-hmm. he's an awesome guy, but he, he's also stubborn and he's the first one to tell you to F off, you know? Um, <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, and then, so the conversation stopped there. And then I guess two years later, I got a phone call out of the blue from Tommy and, uh, you know, asking if we can talk about it again. So, um, you know, at this point, I had just found out that my chef at Bar Isabel for the last couple of years and who's, who, who has worked with me for the last five or six um, very talented guy, Nathan Young. Um, he told me he wanted to be a diner chef. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I ca- <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like all these years and you want to, you know, flip eggs and burgers. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I, I hit him off with the idea and I just started to connect the dots. And then, um, you know, so we went from, you know, thinking about octopus and all these other things and there's Mexican restaurants and this to like, okay, like, can we make this happen? Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I don't. I don't think I would have taken over any diner or just any establishment that uh, you know has been around for fifty years. I think there's something very special and unique and somewhat ghetto and just you know off the beaten path. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and at, at this point in my career, like you know, I could go to King West in Portland and open a three hundred seater and you know make you know fifty thousand dollars in sales a day mm-hmm. but uh we were like okay let's uh let's 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 try this like you know little diner in the, the heart of parkdale where i think most people in the city really have no idea where it is mm-hmm. or have ever heard of it or even consider eating in that area yeah there's absolutely no other food options on King Street in particular. Uh, up on Queen, yes, but uh, King is like this little gully at the end of the road, like you said. It's really just um, it's really just a avenue for people to get off the highway, mm-hmm. and uh, and then what makes it even tougher is that this is tucked behind, you know, a random building and a laundromat and a no frills <laughs> and a soon-to-be Dollarama and it's on a little corner of this government building so even if you drove by there every single day you would not know that anything existed yeah exactly it's uh tucked away on springhurst there um so why did you know that you had to do it 
this opportunity arose and yeah, it, I guess the stars aligned. I think for me, I'm constantly, you know, not just looking for new concepts, but also, you know, new inspirations and most importantly, like diversifying. And I think uh, from one of my first restaurants I opened eight years ago, the Black Hoof, you know, I felt very pigeonholed where it was, you know, everyone wanted like, you know, bone marrow and tongue and sweetbreads and all these, you know, awful. And then as soon as you'd put on a really nice salad, no one would buy it. Um, so when moving on from that and doing Bar Isabel, it was... You know, I, I was so into playing with seafood and you know, vegetables and diversifying um, that really the, uh, you know, going to Harry's was like this complete opposite choice that I think anyone would have thought I would be doing, mm-hmm. um, which to me makes that even more exciting, mm-hmm. both for myself, but ideally for the clients. Um, a lot of people kind of go in there expecting like the one thing I have an issue you know I have to deal with is that you know because there's Bar Ravel and Bar Isabel that have such high standards and service and this and that is that everyone assumes that the next restaurant or the next bar has to follow that exact platform Mm -hmm. and although you know, it's nice to be able to go into a nice dining, you know, have a nice dining experience. It's really, uh, you know, there's times, there's appropriate times when a dive bar diner tucked away in the middle of nowhere, mm-hmm. and even if you're the only person in there, um, is is a good option. Um, so we really wanted to kind of flip it and do something different. Um, and, you know, it's, it's lower risk because the rent is cheaper, but... <laughs> I mean, we still invest the money, we still fix things, mm-hmm. we still always approach it like a proper restaurant, um, you know, bar. And, uh, you know, and it's, so far it's working. Mm-hmm. It does it feel risky at each it's, end? It's always risky because you don't know. You know, if I open another bar Isabel on the East End or in New York or in Hamilton, I would have the menu, I would have a design, I'd have a general you know, platform to, to build on. Um, and I know that it already works. So, you know, constantly doing something new all the time is, is, is risky. It's time consuming. It's expensive. You know, you have to come up with new design, use designers, new contractors, all this kind of stuff. Right. Um, but what I find really interesting about the diversification is that, you know, not just for my portfolio or kind of, you know, what I like, but, also the staff because the cooks in the kitchen believe it or not are chefs and sous chefs of some of the best restaurants in the city you know a lot of them have been chefs and sous chefs Mm -hmm. at bar isabel bar raval woodlot so you have this very talented group of individuals who for some reason have (laughs) chosen to want to flip burgers and make your eggs any way you want them so it tells me that you know at various points in various people's lives in this restaurant industry they are not always looking to go up Mm -hmm. but they are looking to stay within our group of you know restaurants Mm -hmm. i think they respect the way we we run them but uh 
sometimes they need some downtime. Sometimes mm -hmm. they don't want the stresses of a, you know, top restaurant kitchen. Yeah. Um, sometimes they might, you know, they're over the 14 hours a day till like two in the morning and they want a uh, 7am till 4pm shift. Mm -hmm. um, so that they can concentrate on other things in their life, yeah. you know. So, so it's really interesting to see, like, and to be able to offer, you know, currently five restaurant bars that um, are doing things differently and appropriate for different people, whether it's, you know, a raise or uh, you know a promotion, mm -hmm. or I don't want to call it a demotion, but you know, maybe more of a sideways turn where it's you know a little bit of downtime, right? Absolutely. So taking into account all of the like motivations from your side of things and for your staff and all of that, what concerns did you have going into opening a space with a heritage like mm. Harry's? Mm. Yeah, I, this is probably one of the toughest things I think uh, I've had to deal with personally, um, <clears throat> you know, as well as Nate, um, who's like our main working partner, as well as a chef and really the face behind the, the, the business. But, um, you know, you look at the intentions. I mean, we know our intentions of why we were doing it. Again, if, if it was about money, I would probably have opened a restaurant somewhere else. Um, for us, it was the nostalgia. It was a place where we would eat breakfast all the time. Um, and this place was going to close. And it wasn't closing because of gentrification and high you know, rent prices. Um, Tommy and George, George's health is not great right now. And, um, you know, uh, they're like 80 something years old and they're still cooking eggs and, um, you know, working every day. Um, Tommy's wife included, she was serving. And uh, there comes a time when, you know, you need to retire. Mm -hmm. So people, you know, but obviously you get a lot of slack with that. I mean, it's been around for 50 years for a good reason mm -hmm. because there's enough people that love it that keep it in business. Mm -hmm. um, so knowing that it was gonna be a new generation, um, myself, Mike, Robin, and Nate is, you know, we knew that we were gonna get essentially somewhat shit on, <laughs> you know, I don't know if I can swear, but, yeah, uh, you, can. Um, you know, but we knew that our intentions were 100% true to what we wanted to do. Mm -hmm. um, and, and we, you know, and the fact that Tommy reached out to us, and I remember one point he said that, you know, we were the only people that he would, you know, sell this place to, which is probably bullshit because, you know, <laughs> if anyone offered him money, he would have done it. But uh, I think the fact that we wanted to continue what it was, um, I think he really liked that idea. So... But, you know, it, it's tough. I mean, you're taking away something that a lot of people cherish. And you're not just taking it away, but you're also reinterpreting it. Mm -hmm. um, which some people may like, some people may not like. At the, You know, I'm sure we've lost customers, which is unfortunate. Um, and our prices have changed somewhat. But for the most part, they've remained super low. Mm -hmm. And in some cases, cheaper. But... You know, people just, they don't even look in the, into the details. They don't, uh, 
you know, they don't inquire before they throw out accusations or assumptions. Mm -hmm. And that's okay because I sleep very well at night because mm -hmm. I know that we've approached this with integrity and good, good reasons. And, you know, to be honest, we're not making a ton of money. Mm -hmm. But I tell you, it's one of my favorite restaurants that I own. Mm -hmm. And I feel very comfortable in the space. And every time I'm in there, regardless of whether it's, you know, lineups or, you know, zero people in there, um, I feel confident that it will be around hopefully for another 50. Um, it could be around for, you know, six more months because there's a six month demo clause mm -hmm. um, on there, which, you know, goes to show how into this project we were because any business person can tell, would, will tell you that signing a lease with a six month demo clause clause owned by a company who owns about 50 buildings in the neighborhood, which is surely planned to bring them all down and build obnoxious, ugly looking condos, mm -hmm. will tell you that signing a, <laughs> you know, a commercial lease that, uh, you know, we could have been kicked out, you know, essentially before we even finished renovating right. is a very bad idea. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, I mean, it was, it was really, you know, we we knew we were going to get, um, you know, put under the microscope by, you know, I mean, even one person, you know, when they say something like that, it uh, it bothers me. You know, it, um, you know, it sucks. But, you know, enough people um, enjoy it so much mm -hmm. and, um, you know, that that I know that. You know, it's just it's just someone's, you know, uh, just someone's ignorance, yeah. so to speak. You know what I mean? Like someone spray painted hipster makeover on the exterior of the brick this week. Mm -hmm. You know, I think uh, it was funny. You know what I mean? And obviously someone was pissed off that, mm -hmm. um, you know, we're we're using fresh ingredients you know, to make burgers fresh every day, mm -hmm. you know, we bake our own bread, you know, like, I guess that's really hipster and, <laughs> you know, it's, um, you know, so, and our burger is delicious and our fries are great. And, you know, if that's hipster and, you know, dimming the lights a little bit and adding a few more Christmas lights, if that's, um, if that's a hipster makeover, I'm okay with that. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't know how Parkdale I have to be or, Mike has to be or Nathan because we've all lived in Parkdale for over a decade mm -hmm. you know at least each one of us I've lived there for a long time and um, you know I think it's pretty shitty to like have you know to not want people who are from your own community open up businesses mm -hmm. uh, in your community and and that's the way I look at it um, yeah, I own Bar Raval and Bar Isabel, and yeah, they're fancy and expensive, and you know, the cocktail, one cocktail costs more than a burger and a beer at mm -hmm. Harry's, but it's, you know, that doesn't necessarily just define who I am, mm -hmm. you know, like people think I'm a top chef in Toronto, you know, I still can't believe it, because I never really wanted to be a chef, you know what I mean, <laughs> so it's kind of, uh, I think uh, entrepreneurs and businesses and you know, uh, doing businesses and communities and especially, you know, rough, rough around the edges, you know, one like Parkdale is, um, you know, no one ever wants something to change. And mm -hmm. I get it, you know, no one wants rent prices to go up and this and that, but <clears throat> it's inevitable. Mm -hmm. And it's either me or someone like La Carnita or a Starbucks or a Walmart or something. So mm -hmm. I'd much rather have 
neighborhoods changed based on you know young entrepreneurs mm -hmm. following their dreams yeah. you know what I mean so but and with a consideration for the place that they've lived and all of that keeping that all in mind how much does that affect the way that you plan a business like Harry's because as you as you said earlier this is very different than when you opened Virabelle when you opened El Rey and these other spaces so how much how do you balance the anticipation of something like that with what you want to do and yeah like your good intentions and all of that yeah I mean I, I think like when, when we first took it over we um, you know we had an idea of what we wanted to do and it was just kind of like this we wanted to we wanted to like you know dive it up just have it like a local hangout just like it was but you know change it a little bit make it darker make it a little bit sexier a little bit more for you know our age group um, and uh, and so we came to the conclusion that our goal was to put our personal you know, influences and our personal likes um, into this space and not try to bullshit or fake it. But at the same time, we wanted to reinterpret it as if and imagine what Tommy, George, and Sam, how they approached it in 1968 when they were 30 years old. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's, that was kind of, you know, a big turning point for us. And from there, it really took off, you know, that yeah like once the idea clicks and then everything just starts picking up momentum you know it's it's uh what you want um so that was in the kind of in the space and all that but as soon as you started hiring or or i guess re like shifting staff around um did it did you have to have conversations around what to anticipate in a place like parkdale a because it's this was an institution, so you're anticipating the regulars that used to come in, kind of sussing it out and saying, "Is this? am I comfortable here still or not? And then also just the fact, like you said earlier, we are very close to St. Joe's, um, which has the highest intake of mental health, um, like in the emergency room in the entire city and stuff like that. Like the, this isn't just a, any old neighborhood diner. This is Parkdale and there is a lot of different types of people that are going to want to come through, especially when you keep your price point low and especially when it's uh, an institution like Harry's is. And again, one of the only places that you can eat on King Street. Yeah, I mean, one of the one of the main things we wanted to do was to not discriminate. Um, let's be honest, like, you know, not everyone in Parkdale is, is you know, normal or as well off as, you know, the community of Rosedale. Mm -hmm. And that's what I love about Parkdale, um, you know, just the diversity of people. And you know what, it's like there's a lot of, you know, people with mental disabilities. There's a lot of drug addiction. And there is a lot of, you know, people who are, you know, under the whatever, you know, the you know, who, who just don't have a lot of money. Mm -hmm. Under the poverty line or something. Yeah, and um, you know, and then a lot of industry people, a lot of my staff live there um, because things are affordable. And uh, you know, it was, it was a top on our list to keep prices down as cheap as possible. Um, and uh, you know, and then hiring staff, it was, you know, it was different conversations than what I'm used to for all other, 
all the other restaurants that we've opened. We spent a lot of time talking about how to handle, you know, situations where, you know, a, someone who is on drugs or wants to do drugs in our washroom comes in. You know, we just recently had to, you know, install sharp needle boxes in mm -hmm. our washrooms because, you know, there's, you know, like once or twice a week, there, we've, we've found a needle, you know, in the garbage can. And uh, because we take them out manually, um, there's obviously some concern for our staff. Um, so, you know, it's, um, you know, but we let people come in if they want to use the washroom and they're not a customer. We let them in. But, um, but yeah, I mean, we had a lot of conversation with the staff being like, listen, people are going to come in here and hate. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and they're <laughs> going to be the type of people who are going to tell you to your face and not just, you know, these aren't people who are going on Yelp to hate. Mm -hmm. These are people that, <laughs> you know, won't hold back. Okay. Is that better or worse? Who so, knows? <laughs> yeah. So I think it's better because I'd much rather that in person. But, um, sure. you know, so having conversations on how to deal with this. How do you deal with regulars who didn't even know it was closed and, um, you know, come in and all of a sudden it's, you know, these younger, you know, people working. It's darker. It's louder. And, um you know, the things they're going to say to you um, or how people are going to judge the prices or, you know, and a lot of the regulars came in and uh, we've tried to keep as much, um, you know, as much of the menu, the same price. It's a different menu. Um, you know, a lot of people wanted fried chicken back on and this and that and whatever. But it's like at the end of the day, it's a it's a new it's a new restaurant. Um, and uh, new food and we're very proud of it but uh, we had to talk a lot about just kind of you know especially when we have like some servers who are like you know from really good restaurants working there it's like okay we need to like you know you need to calm down you need to <laughs> relax here yeah. you know leaning is not okay at bar isabel but leaning is okay here yes. you know um and just like don't over serve people yeah. right and, and that was hard for a few people just to kind of like get it it's like you know, the, the, the beautiful thing about a diner is that, you know, you don't get, you know, hovered over, right? Mm -hmm. um, but uh, it's interesting because we have a lot of guests from Bar Val and Bar Isabel who clearly don't spend a lot of time in Parkdale coming into this space, mm -hmm. you know? So it's, it's, it's putting money in, it's putting money into the community. It's, it's you know, creating jobs. Um, so what's wrong with that, you know? Mm -hmm. So given all of that, and given the people that have been in the door and that have a problem and the ones, a lot of the ones that don't, what are like some of the beautiful things that have happened in the time that you've opened the doors and things that you couldn't have foreseen or maybe that you did, but yeah, what are some of your favorite moments so far? Um, just seeing the diversity of the people and the clientele like for brunch um, on Saturday and Sundays, um, you know, coming out to support and enjoying it um, you know, seeing, uh, seeing a lot of your regulars or like business types that are in suits that, uh, used to come there before or are new coming back and really enjoying it. Um, you know, I think that's definitely one of the, the funnest things just to see Nate behind the line, you know, in his element, um, you know, is, is awesome. Um, you know, we're, do, we're opening up Christmas Eve, um, which we would never do at any of our other restaurants. Um, we're doing like an orphan's Christmas just for, you know, I, 
you know, out of the 200 staff I have, there's so many of them that don't have families here um, and they're all alone and I don't really know what they do for Christmas, you know, because uh, they generally will stay in town. Um, so this will kind of be this opportunity where, you know, most of our staff doesn't want to work. So it's going to be myself, Nate, and Mike and Robin and all the partners who don't work there regularly, um, you know, cooking and serving, you know, whatever <laughs> we can that day. Um, but, uh, and then, you know, seeing the support, I guess, of a lot of the regulars. Unfortunately, not all of them, but, um, you know, the support of Tommy uh who was the main owner, um, you know, he comes in two, three times a week. Um, you know, a very good regular of theirs, uh, a gentleman by the nickname Frenchie, mm. uh, passed away about a month ago. And uh, he's from PEI. So they had the service in P Prince Edward Island. And, uh, you know, but he was a regular here and there was so many friends and people that cared about him and I didn't have the opportunity to meet this gentleman but um, based on the way they describe him he would definitely be someone I'd love to hang out with right mm -hmm. <laughs> but uh, so they threw a memorial at Harry's um, this past Saturday and it was about you know 30 35 regulars you know a lot of them above the age of 50 60 70 80 and um, you know, they, it was just great to see them in the space. And a lot of them still come. Uh, some haven't come in a while, um, or at least since we've taken over. And, uh, you know, it was different. But, you know, they're all just sucking back beers, eating burgers, and, you know, saying some nice speeches about Frenchie, a good regular that lives across the street, um, you know, made a nice plaque um, that said Frenchie's table on it and unveiled it at, like, 11 o'clock at night <laughs> and had it right above his table. So... You know, it's really nice to see that support of people and to anyone who like doesn't like what we're doing or why we're doing it or doesn't know or understand why we're doing it. Um, if they don't want to come, then they don't have to come. Mm -hmm. You know, like, mm -hmm. you know, we're, we're hopefully still going to be here. And, uh, but you know, ideally they come give it a shot. You know, if our burger is an extra dollar, you know, that is not gentrification or a hipster makeover. Um, that dollar is an extra dollar so that we can continue serving them mm -hmm. and we can continue, you know, paying our staff above, um, mm -hmm. you know, what's typical. Um, so I'm okay with that. And you know what? We don't make a lot of money. <laughs> you know what I mean? We barely break even. Lining uh, your pockets with extra dollar here and there. That's right. I mean, I get to drink free 50 when, 50 is when I'm in there and, you know, I, I, I you know, at least there once a day. Uh, for free but not really for free but um, you know but we make a lot of people happy and to see a lot of these regulars um, you know and new regulars um, you know some people come in like every day um, twice a day um, you know to see a lot of the restaurant industry come and support um, you know has been great and uh, I think other than them tearing down the building I, I'm, I'm pretty confident to say that that's this Harry's is going to be there for as long as that building's standing. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, what is the future? What are you hoping for the future of Harry's? I think, um, you know, just to uh, get over this initial shock. To For me, everything's great. Everything's mm -hmm. perfect. You know, 
we're getting busier every week. I couldn't be happier with the quality of food. Um, it's great because it's not the place. It's not a place where I have to worry about Yelp reviews and all this kind of stuff. Um, you know, like we do with all the other restaurants because it doesn't have the same stresses. And um, I think, uh, I think uh, you know, I'd like to get over this kind of mourning stage for a lot of people, mm-hmm. uh, including myself. Because don't get me wrong, when we took the keys from Tommy and locked the doors and papered up the walls, it was within two days. I realized, I'm like, Jesus Christ, I don't have anywhere to eat breakfast anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> I just mm-hmm. closed the place that I love to go, uh, you know, eat breakfast or something. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so it made it even more important to get it reopened. And, um, you know, so once this morning stage is over and, you know, anyone who wants to hate, you know, hopefully they become, you know, hopefully they realize when at one in the morning when they're really hungry in Parkdale, and everything other than maybe pizza pizza is open, Mm -hmm. you know, hopefully they appreciate what we're trying to do because it's not easy serving food till two in the morning or operating business till two in the morning when you're tucked way deep, you know. It's like so many people go on Jameson, Mm -hmm. you know, like I'm sure we would be so much busier if we had a sign, like a, you know, burger joint on the corner of a, you know, on a a main road leading to the highway, right? But uh, I hope those people come around and give us a shot and, you know, maybe they ask, you know, or maybe they do a little bit of digging before they, you know, throw stones and kind of assume what we're doing because of what we've done, Mm -hmm. you know, which I think whatever we've done in the past, you know, to my knowledge has always been you know, pretty awesome, Mm -hmm. I think, you know, and, um, you know, but luckily there's a lot of smart people who, you know, will come, you know, make their choice. It either sucks or it's good and, you know, and stick with that and, you know, not necessarily assume anything. Right. So Mm -hmm. I think, um, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, I'm looking forward to the neighborhood changing, um, change is good. It doesn't mean rent has to go up, but, um, you know, bringing more people to the area. And, and, you know, I think our burgers are the best in town, (laughs) you know. So, you know, I never thought I would have opened a burger place, you know, 10 years after the burger trend was over, (laughs) you know. But uh, I think they're delicious, and uh, I encourage people to come try it out and, uh, you know, leave leave your attitudes at the door mm-hmm. you know what i mean it's like we don't have attitudes in there and um you know i think some people just come in there wanting to like not like it mm-hmm. and i think some of them probably secretly like it and um <laughs> it's I, i'm really proud of it you know like even if it doesn't make any money even if it loses money i'll still keep it around and be really proud of it because it's um you know it's there's not a lot of you know toronto's history that doesn't get demolished and completely Mm -hmm. changed i'm a big advocate for you know keeping old architecture and you know design and you know culture you know but um you know i guess like tommy and because tommy and their nephew and you know george they all like love it it's it's i'm fine with that you know Mm -hmm. what i mean that's kind of the biggest um the biggest person you have to impress in a way yeah I mean I think like you know they could have just uh, sold it and then screwed off and retired but the fact that they come back all the time the 
fact that Tommy is going to wants to come be Santa Claus on Christmas <laughs> Eve, you know, at our orphans party, which he does every year. It's uh-huh. I feel like Tommy still pretty much owns it. Mm-hmm. You know, he still comes in and runs his mouth, you know, <laughs> and, um, you know, so it's so, yeah. That's cool. Um, okay. Anything else you want to say about Harry's? Um, anything else? Bombaloni? Is that a bomb? Donut? Um, <laughs> you know, I think, um, I think what sucks about walking away from this interview is that no matter what, anyone can look at this, you know, anyone can can listen to this interview and pinpoint reasons to hate you mm-hmm. know what I mean like whether it's you know talking about Parkdale and talking about the you know the the, the problem of drug addiction and or concentration of mental you know disabilities and you know or the poor population or the immigrant population you know we're not talking about this in a negative way we're talking about in a realistic way. Our problems, you know, people can just be like, oh, these guys are just, you know, bitching or little babies or, you know, like go back out of Parkdale or whatever it is, you know, go back to Little Italy and College Street. The reality is our problems and the way, you know, running a business, it's not always perfect. There's real realities here, okay? We have, you know, our, our day-to-day problems are you know, we do have people coming in and doing heroin in the washroom. You know, this isn't hating on the drug addiction of Parkdale. But this is living it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Confronting it. You know, it's, we're not saying it as a negative thing, but, you know, and, and as a business person, you're forced to, like, make choices of how you deal with situations. And, um, you know, the, just the sad reality is that, you know, the same jerk-off who's, you know, going to, spray paint hipster makeover on her walls the same jerk off who's gonna you know listen to this and and just not get it you mm-hmm. know what i mean and that's annoying but luckily our, we have great customers and um you know but it, it still bothers me mm-hmm. because it's like the food industry is so different from any other industry you know where we have to like basically pre-take your money you know with just like a simple description on the menu you know it's like imagine you had to buy your art Mm -hmm. you know without ever seeing it just reading you know three words like you know abstract blue and white painting you know three thousand dollars you know imagine you had to buy your clothes without ever touching them seeing them putting them on you know the expectations in the the food industry you know, are so different from every other transaction, I think. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's really not you know, <laughs> an easy industry. And, uh, you know, so I would love to see some people not just, you know, to support a little bit more and kind of, you know, ask questions and go and experience it. And not just us, anyone, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, and, and you can choose after, you know, after you've experienced it or learned more about people's intentions because you know I can take it you know it annoys me I can take it but you know people like Nathan who are there you know from 7 in the morning till 3:30 in the morning or or customer you know sorry our, our staff or service staff or some of our young cooks 
it's kind of like it's hard to tell them be like you know what don't worry about this don't mm-hmm. worry about what this person said you know when you walk into work and you see this hipster makeover you know spray painted on the wall I would love to see that kind of change and I think it will I think people kind of get over it you mm-hmm. know we're not fighting back you mm-hmm. know what we do we we get in there every morning and we turn on the lights and put on some great blues music and start flipping burgers and eggs and uh, you know so once it all passes over I think uh, I think we'll really see like Harry's shining uh, with its new new direction and new interpretation right yeah cool yeah. well maybe we'll leave it there and yeah check out Harry's <laughs> thank you for your time thanks for <laughs> thanks for listening to me rant <laughs> thank you very much Grant I really appreciate it cheers so that was Jess speaking with Grant Van Gameren, owner of Harry's Charbroiled. Jess, you didn't tell me. <laughs> I couldn't no more fried chicken? I couldn't break the news oh to you. Oh my gosh. I'm sorry. It's, it's hard to swallow, but there's lots of other tasty things. I promise. I'm sure there's plenty else to try. To try. I'll, I will try their, yes. their fancy hipster burgers with their own break bread. It's yes. probably delicious. It's actually Ugh. quite tasty. And it's not too fussy if you're getting that impression. I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, people are get emotional around these these issues, you know, I mean, the diner, the local diner is a is a really special place. I think in England you have your local pub. That's right. Maybe in Canada we have our local diner. Yeah, it's probably a whole you know? North, North America thing, I think. Um, yeah, it's true. Really. And uh, and there's lots of talk about that these days. The thought that the diner is dying and it's not necessarily, I mean, in Toronto alone, we have examples of this um, in a number of places um, as referred to in that conversation. There is the Swan. There is another place in Parkdale called Skyline. Um, there is on Roncesvalles. This was a, a little longer ago, but there's a spot called the Ace. Um, so where we've kept the shell of something and then what varies is how the menu gets reinterpreted in certain right. circumstances ones that maybe happened closer to five to ten years ago there were some contentious uh, decisions made where you know prices got elevated to two three four times the cost of dishes that you would have gotten there before um, and i think that in more recent times people are a little bit more sensitive to that and i think that grant is an example of that um, but it's, it's, this is a complicated one, B. Yeah, I, I think it is. I mean, because on, in one sense, I totally agree that things have to move forward. We have to evolve. We can't hold on to things. And you, <laughs> it like sounds he like says, you're trying you know, to calm yourself down. <laughs> I am a little bit, but you know, I am a, I am a diner guy. Like I remember going, when I was in high school, there was a diner and they had two fifty breakfast. Mm-hmm. That was eggs and bacon or sausage with I believe some sort of potato and uh, and uh, toast for two fifty. Come on, that's insane. And then and it makes me beg the question of like, do you make money? Did they make money? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how they. <laughs> honestly, I don't know how they they made money. Yeah. And eventually, they had to raise their prices a bit. But I mean, there's something about a diner, even if it's not the diner you know, mm-hmm. you probably know. of what's on the menu and you know again roughly how it's going to taste how much it's going to cost you feel totally fine going in there completely on your own and eating and it's just a really comfortable space so it's a sad thought to me to think that and I don't know how much I believe it but to to the thought of diners um, dying Mm -hmm. 
that's a that's a really terrible thought. I mean, I think that they'll probably. Um, I can't see them dying completely. I really can't because I think there's always going to be people who want a cheap, quick, simple meal. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, it's obvious that I think they are. You'll see fewer of them, yeah. and that they might become a little bit different. Um, but I, I can't see that that market going away completely. Can you? No, I mean, I think that there's going to be iterations like this forever, and as soon as you know. It looks like they're in their final final days. There's going to be the person that revives it exactly as we were discussing with, you know, packaged gravy and like Wonder Bread and all that good stuff. Um, I, I, people can always recreate the things that they, uh, they miss or that they think deserve to go on. Um, it's just not going to be in the package. Something is going to have to change or will change um, just based on, you know, the makeup of the uh, employment or like the workforce that will back this up. Um, but it's uh, it's definitely an interesting discussion. And, you know, there's, I think, in those um, conversations that I had been having with friends that were frequented the former Harry's Charbroiled, you know, the fear was that there would be a lack of openness and a lack of uh, space for the former regulars that had gone there. And I think it's interesting to see that 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 they've taken pains to make sure that that's not the case, even if they know that the experience is going to be different for those people. Um, But in the conversation I'd had with Grant in advance of us actually recording this interview, uh, it was cool to hear about, um, you know, interactions that were happening amongst the former regulars and the new young kids that are probably spending more time there now, um, where he was sort of describing former regulars as kind of, uh, little celebrities for this particular space and um, kind of creating new <laughs> it's, a, it's a lovely thought and if that's a byproduct how sweet is that um, but just uh, creating relationships and bonds between generations and groups that wouldn't I can't think of too many of those spaces besides like the grocery store or the library where people don't necessarily interact anyway and so for the like for in a roundabout way, this, you know, quote unquote hipster diner to create a space that works for both of those types of people is maybe actually a beautiful thing. This is what brings us to Parkdale to begin with because we can afford to live here. And then, but also what brings us to Harry's because I, you know, I think the difference and this is the conversation of gentrification in general, is the differences that uh, social capital, where the expectation is that I will eventually be able to afford X, Y, Z, you know, uh, a home, a car, uh, blah, blah, blah. Um, whereas the future for, you know, someone who's 30, 40 years my senior has already sort of been set in stone. And... They are here. Well, I don't know about that, Jess, because I mean, you're you're making podcasts, so <laughs> you, you might have to stay renting in. in <laughs> That's why I qualified my, my my theory in that way. I was like, the thinking is that I should be able to do that. We'll right. see what happens.
And that was another episode of Foodstuffs. Thanks to Grant Van Gameren of Harry's Child for speaking with us. If you want to reach us on social media, you can reach us at Foodstuffs Life on Instagram and Twitter. Also, we're on Facebook. You can find us there just by searching Foodstuffs. You can find us on the web, foodstuffs.life. You can also find us on iTunes and Stitcher or anywhere else that you get your podcast fix. I'm Brian Goldman. I'm Jessica Walker. Thanks so much for listening. See you next week. Bye.